Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I said, praise the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God is good. Tell you what, brother. Thank you so much for that tonight. You blessed my soul. That was uh, so good. I love that line in that song that says, it's from the cross came rivers of grace. Think about that. Just that one line in that song, just a minute. Rivers of grace that was needed for, from, for all of us, me, you, and, and the whole world. Everything we needed as far as us coming to have a personal relationship with God the Father. Listen, it was done through the finished work of Jesus. Rivers of grace. Um, what an amazing thing when I think about that. Blesses my heart. Everybody take your Bibles tonight. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 is what we want to look at this evening. We're going to go back there in just a moment. But first, I want to thank you for making the study of the Word of God a priority in your life. And I know that you probably hear me say that a lot. At least I hope you do because I want you to hear that. The, the study of God's Word and the worship of the Lord ought to be a priority in your life. Can you say amen? But let me tell you why that's so very, um, very vitally important that um, we make the study of God's Word a priority. Well, if we're actually going to be what Jesus has saved us to be. Now, how many of you want that? I mean, I want to fulfill the purpose that the Lord has saved me to fulfill. I want to be what God wants me to be because I know that's truly what matters. I know um, what I do for the kingdom of God will echo throughout eternity. And I want you to know that. What you do for the kingdom of God will echo throughout all eternity. It makes a difference now in the day in which we live, but it's going to make a difference um, throughout our eternity in heaven with him. So I want to be what Jesus wants. And the only way we can ever be that, the only way we're ever going to fulfill his purpose for our lives is we need these two things. Number one, we need the word of God. Let me tell you what we, we gain from the word of God. First of all, the Word of God gives us revelation as to who God is. And that's an amazing thing. You're never, ever, ever going to know God unless you know what His Word says about Him. It reveals to us who God is. It's vitally important that we remember that. We find out who God is from the precious Word of God. Now, we, God also gives us other ways. We know that uh, creation itself speaks to who He is. But if you want to know the truth of who God is, it's found on the pages of your Bible. It reveals to us who God is, but let me tell you something else. It also gives us revelation as to who we are. And then it gives us revelation as to who we can be in Jesus. And that is so important that we get a hold of all of that. First of all, we get a hold of who God is, who we are, and then what we can be. The Word of God gives revelation to all of that. But not only does it give revelation, but the Word of God gives us instruction. Instruction lets us know what God wants. Revelation shows us who He is. Instruction tells us what He wants. It shares with us what God wants for us in our lives in this world and throughout eternity. And so listen, we need the Word of God for a lot of things, but especially for those two things, revelation and instruction. For so long, I would always think uh, and pray, and it's not necessarily wrong to pray this. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. 
but it, it had to be revealed to me. I would pray, Lord, show me what you want. What do you want? I would continue to be asking, Lord, what do you want for my life? What's your will for my life? God, show me what I need to be doing. I want to be in the center of your will. And I was always praying that prayer. And then one day, it's almost like a light bulb came on. And I began to realize, if I want to find out what God wants, you find out what God wants from his word. You will find out God's will from what he says right here on the page of the scripture. Now, does God give us specific callings and specific things for us to do that he makes uh, real to us and plain to us in ways that only he can? Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. You know, I've told, you, told a lot of you my uh, testimony about how the Lord called me to preach. And, and, and it was in that, through that, I saw God do something that only God could do, that I could never question, because that's what I had prayed for. And God answered that prayer. So certainly God will give us uh, you know, specific words for specific times, for specific callings upon our life, no doubt about it. But if you really want to find out and, and uh, with full assurance of what God's will is, you'll find it in His Word. So the Word of God gives revelation, but the Word of God also gives instruction. We need the Word of God. That's why we ought to make it a priority in our life. And I'm thankful that you've done that tonight. Now, that's the first thing we need, the Word of God. The second thing we need is the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, let, I want you to get a hold of this. And we're going to talk a whole lot more about this tonight throughout the service. But do you realize that the Bible says every blood-bought, born-again Believer who's placed their faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. Every one of us are now the dwelling place of God himself. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that we are now the temple of God. The temple is where God dwells. That means if you're here tonight and you've placed your faith in Christ as Savior and you know you've been born again into the family of God by faith in Jesus, then you need to understand God now lives in you. He has imparted himself to every believer. And it's through the impartation of the Holy Spirit that we receive the power that enables us to do what the Word of God instructs us to do. Amen? And it gives us the power, the enablement, to actually fulfill God's will and purpose for our lives. And without God the Holy Spirit, that's never going to happen. Let me tell you how I know that. Because I know what God's Word tells me to do. Let me give you some things that God's Word tells me to do. The Bible says that I are to do unto others as I would have them do unto me. Let me ask you something. Is that tough sometimes? Is that tough when you're dealing with mean people? Is that tough, hard to accomplish when you're dealing with hateful people? I'm going to go a step further and not just say that's tough to do. That's impossible for you to do in the power of your flesh. Because guess what? If I'm operating in the flesh, that old sinful nature, if someone is mean to me, then I'm going to get them back. And I'm going to get them back better or worse than they got me. Right? The flesh wants revenge for wrong done to it. And so you're never going to fulfill that commandment that Jesus gives in the power of the flesh. That's impossible. You have to have the, the power 
that comes from the person of the Holy Spirit in you to be able to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let me give you another one. The Bible tells me as a husband, I am to love my wife as Christ loves the church. Now let me, let me make something extremely clear to you before I go any further. It's not hard loving my wife. I, I, that's easy. It really is. But when I think about how Jesus loves the church, then I see how absolutely impossible it is for me to love my wife in that way. I mean, Jesus loves unconditionally. Jesus loves sacrificially. A lot of times, the love that we give or receive has conditions. Doesn't it? Whether we want to admit it or whether we even realize it, sometimes it does have conditions. And that's not just for husbands to wives, but from wives to husbands. You know, there have been times in our marriage where me and Brandy had some spirited discussions. We don't have fights. We have, anybody else have spirited discussions? We have some of those from time to time. And in those spirited discussions, she would make it plain to me that in that moment, she was choosing to love me. Love is a choice. You're not always going to feel like it, but you've got to choose to do that. And to do that effectively in the right way, listen, that must be done by the power of the Holy Spirit to love someone unconditionally, to love someone in a sacrificial way and give up all your wants, needs, and desires so that their wants, needs, and desires can be met. Because that's exactly how Jesus loves the church. You get what I'm saying? So to do these things that the Bible instructs us to do, we must have the impartation of the Holy Spirit. We must have the power of God enabling us to do what God's words told us to do. So why is it important that we stay under the, the, the steady teaching and preaching of the word of God? Well, for that reason, so that God will reveal himself to us, so that we will, he will reveal to us who we are and who we can be in Jesus, and so that we can be instructed, listen to me, by the word of God as to what God has purposed for us, what he wants us to do, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, go out and apply that truth to your life and do it. And that's when it gets fun. That's when it gets exciting. When you start seeing God working on you, working in you and working through you to make a difference in the world that you live in. It's amazing. That's the power of God at work in the believer. And that's really what we've been talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We found out in the first 11 verses that if you are a blood-bought, born-again believer who's placed their faith in Jesus, and I, and I always want to make sure that I say that for, for a lot of reasons, because folks, listen to me. A lot of people, when they talk about saved, they've got a different idea of what saved means than what the Bible means, what the Bible says it means. To be saved means that you have placed your full trust in who Jesus is as the Son of God and what Jesus has done in dying for your sins on the cross so that you might be forgiven before God who is holy and you have believed He conquered the grave not for, listen, for you so that you too can conquer the grave. When you place your finished, uh, your, your full faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if that's what, that's what I mean by blood-bought, born again. You've trusted in, in the shed blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. I'm not talking about being saved from a car wreck or saved from falling a well backwards or 
or saved from, from a, a bad experience, even though God, by his mercy and grace, can do all of those things. I'm talking about spiritually, supernaturally being saved by the power of the Holy Spirit by grace through faith in Jesus. Now, if that's you, we have saw in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 that every blood-bought, born-again believer are children of God and you are a gifted child, brother. You are a gifted child, sister. Every one of us have, has, has received gifts from the Holy Spirit so that we might be used in his body. Now, we've talked a whole lot about provision. God, the Holy Spirit, providing these gifts. Tonight, we move on to purpose. We find out why he provided these gifts, what the purpose is for all of this. And that begins in verse number 12. Let's start right there, and we'll get just as far um, as we can get in this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12. Let's just look at this one verse, and we're going to break this all down. Point number one, the body manifests the Lord Jesus. The body manifests the Lord Jesus. Look what it says in verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Let's, let's take the first part of that verse. It says, for the body is one and has many members. So Paul uses the analogy of the church as that of the human body. And, and that makes perfect sense to me. Um, it, it's a great way of teaching. He is a master teacher. Um, this was given to him, of course, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord used Paul in a fantastic way. And I want you to think about what he's saying. My physical body, your physical body, has many different members. We've got hands and feet and knees and toes. And we've got livers and lungs and hearts and brains. And we've got all of these members that come together to make up one body. That's what makes me up physically, and that's what makes you up physically. And that's exactly what he's saying in the first part of that verse. There are many members, many, many, many members that come together to make up the one body, and that one body is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look what else he says, though. Then he says, in the last part of that, being many are one body, so also is Christ. Does everybody see that? Let me tell you what that means. Really, in a nutshell, that means that Jesus identifies himself to a very lost and dark world through his body. You hear me? Jesus makes himself known in a very dark world through his body. And we, the many members, are his body. If you got it, say I got it. All right? Now, what does it mean that Jesus identifies himself to the world through his body, the church? Well, think about this. What you see before you tonight is not really Israel Price. You know that, don't you? And what I see before me tonight um, is not really Andy Tucker or any of you. It's not. But through my physical body, I manifest who I am to all of you. You can't see my soul. How I many of you know it's really my soul that makes me who I am? Can you say amen to that? 
It's my soul that makes me laugh and talk and sing and learn and love and do all the things that, that I really want to do. But it's through the body I do it. And so, listen, the only way that I can really know you because I can't see your soul and the only way that you can truly know me because I can't see uh, your soul, vice versa, the, the only way that we can truly know one another is through what we do with our body. Does that make sense to you? You know me by how, what I say, how I talk the decisions I make, where I go, uh, what I do and what I don't do. That's how you know me and that's how I know you. Well, the same is true for Jesus. If the world is going to see Jesus and know Jesus and if Jesus is going to identify himself to a lost and dying world, that's going to be done through his body. That's going to be done through us. The Apostle Paul says something in the book of 2 Corinthians that I absolutely love. He says that we are now the ambassadors for Christ. Well, you know what an ambassador does, don't you? An ambassador will make known the needs, wants, and opinions of the country that they're an ambassador uh, from. So if, if as an American, I'm an ambassador. Somebody help me out. An ambassador. Thank you. To, uh, to China, then I would go to China as an American and I would make need, known the needs of America to China. Well, the same is true for us as ambassadors for Christ. We are making known who Jesus is and what Jesus wants in a lost and dying world as his body. Is that making sense to you? He identifies himself to the world through his body, just like we do. That's what Paul is telling us. So also is Christ. Christ is known to the world through his body. Now, not only does the body manifest Jesus, but you need to also understand the body serves Jesus. Just like my body serves me. And your body serves you. Let me tell you how I know my body serves me. Now, I shouldn't be serving my body, right? That's ain't, that ain't how it works. My body serves me just this morning. Um, I get up every morning about 5 o'clock, 5.15, something like that. And so this morning at 5 o'clock when the alarm went off, I didn't want to get up. Excuse me, my body didn't want to get up. I mean, that bed was feeling good. It was nice and warm, and I'd been up late the night before, and I did not want to crawl out of that bed. But you know what I said? I said to my body, we got to get up, because if we don't get up, we're going to be late for work. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I didn't serve my body, but my body then served me. And, and my legs went to moving, and I got up out of that bed, and I went and got a shower and got ready and got to work. But my body served me in doing so. Not only does Jesus identify himself to the lost and dying world through his body, he does it by how his body serves him, how I serve him and how you serve him. That's how this is supposed to work. The body manifests Jesus, the body serves Jesus, and the body, listen to me now, this is very, very important, is empowered by Jesus. Look at verse number 13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. All of us are baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond or free, and have been all made to drink. Everybody say to drink. Into one spirit. Have you ever heard somebody say, or have you ha ever had anybody ask you, as a believer, if you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit? You ever heard anybody ask you that? 
Let me tell you why they ask you that. A lot of people ask you that because a lot of people believe that salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are two separate occurrences. They believe you can place your faith in Jesus and then later you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's some believers, quote unquote believers, who may not have the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't that, if you go to the end of that logic and reason that out, isn't that what that means? Now, what does this scripture say? For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. That means every single blood-bought, born-again believer who have placed their faith in Jesus, listen to me now, have been baptized into the body by the Spirit. At the moment of conversion, a lot of awesome, amazing, glorious things happen. First of all, the Bible says your sins are washed clean by the precious blood of Christ. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that our sins are put as far as the east is from the west. And praise the Lord for that. I am so thankful that the Lord has forgiven me of my sin. Now listen, not only were your sin, was your sin forgiven, but let me tell you something else. The Bible also says your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, I love it when he was speaking with his disciples. He sent them out into the, into the villages to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And as they went out, uh, they were actually casting out demonic spirits in the name of Christ. And so they came back all excited. And they was like, Lord, you ain't going to believe it. I mean, even the demonic spirits are listening to what we have to say. And in the name of Jesus, they're being cast out. You know what Jesus told them? He said, guys, don't be so excited that the, that the demons know your name. You need to be more excited that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. It's written down in heaven. And that happens for everybody who places their faith in Christ and is born again into the family. Listen, your name is now written down in heaven. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So thankful for that. I've got something to look forward to, and you do too. It's amazing. All of that is true. But also at the moment of conversion, you are indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what the baptism is all about. Do you know the Bible never once commands you to be baptized by the Spirit? You're never going to see that in the New Testament. You want me to tell you why? The Bible will never tell the believer to be baptized in the Spirit because it's already taken place. That happened at the moment of conversion. You were baptized into the body by the Spirit. You remember when um, John the Baptist was preaching there around Jordan, the Jordan River and baptizing and, and, and the, Jesus comes on the scene and John says, look, there's one who's coming after me that's preferred before me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unloose. And I'm baptizing you here with water but there's one that's coming. This is, he was just the, 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 the forerunner for Christ. He's, he's just foreshadowing what's coming in the future. And, and he says, there's one that's coming that's going to baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Well, he's talking about Jesus. Everybody who places faith in Jesus is baptized with the Holy Spirit. That happens 
at conversion. You don't have to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you're a believer. That's already happened. All are baptized by the one Spirit. That's what it says, isn't it? Look at the next part of that verse. Whether we, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to, watch this now, watch, watch, watch what else this says, to drink. You see it? To drink. What happens if I had a, I wish I did have some water. Thank you, honey. What happens if I take a drink of this water? It's in me. It's in me now. Why? Because I've been made to drink. We've all who've been baptized have been made to drink. What does that mean? All who've been baptized now has the Holy Spirit in them so that we are all now the temple of God. Now, please don't misunderstand me. The Bible never tells you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit as a believer because that's already happened. Let me give you a really good verse for that. It comes from the book of Colossians, chapter number 1, and verse number 9. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Colossians chapter 1. Verse number nine, for this call since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of the will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Go on to verse number 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, on Power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us to be partakers of the inheritance of saints and lights. Watch this now. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now watch this. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether be thrones or dominions or principalities or power. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. And by him all things consist. That's my Jesus. And that's your Jesus. And listen, it's through Jesus that we have been made a part of the family of God. Every one of us. Now, go to Colossians chapter 2. Watch this right here. Colossians chapter number 2. And look down with me at verse number 10, I believe it is. Colossians 2. In verse number 10, watch this. And ye are complete. Everybody say complete. And ye are complete in who? Who's him? Jesus, absolutely. And ye are complete in Jesus, which is the head of all principality and power. Now what does that mean? When you get Jesus, you get everything you need. You don't have to wait for a second work 
where you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. When you get Jesus, you are made right then complete in him. We are all baptized by one spirit and we're all made to drink of that one spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of every believer. Even though the Holy Spirit, the Bible never tells us to be baptized or commands us to be baptized um, with the Holy Spirit because that happened in conversion. Let me tell you what it does tell us. It tells us we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? It, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. And Paul again there, as a master teacher, is giving the analogy of a drunk man who where wine has taken control of that man, right? And so what he's saying is, you don't need to be controlled by the wine, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be controlled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to allow the Holy Spirit to have complete control of your life. That's what God wants. That's what we have to have. Now listen to me, folks. It is with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we receive the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to every believer. It is through the filling of the Holy Spirit that we are enabled to use the gifts. You hear me? That's why I tell you, I believe the filling of the Holy Spirit happens many, 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 many times throughout a person's life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens once at the moment of conversion. And the scripture says that at that one time we are sealed by the precious Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Baptism happens once. But man, I want to be filled up every day. Dr. J. Vernon McGee said, said, he says it like this. He says, for the believer, being filled with the Holy Spirit is no more complicated than pulling up to the gas station and putting that nozzle in your tank. When you know you're running low, it's time to get filled up. Let me tell you, how you know you're running low. When the Christian walk in life and the ministry that God's called you to gets hard. You understand me? When it feels as though it's like pulling teeth to make it through whatever God's called you to do. You ever feel that way? This is not supposed to be hard. Will we go through some difficult seasons? Absolutely. All of us will. But even in times of great difficulty, God gives us power to walk through it effectively. 
when we are not filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, and we're operating in the power of the flesh, it gets real hard. It gets burdensome. You hear me? And you can almost feel it when that takes place. What I mean by that, you just feel numb to the things of God. That ever happened to you? Those times of fellowship with Jesus are not as sweet as they used to be. I can remember times in my life just I spent a lot of time in a truck at work. You know, I ride all over Marion and Winston counties all the time. I used to spend a lot of time by myself in a truck, you know, whether it was in a truck hauling equipment or a dump truck or whatever. And so I'd be in myself, just me and Jesus, all throughout the day. And I can remember some of the sweetest times I've ever experienced in my life. It didn't happen in a church house. It happened riding in that truck or running that piece of equipment where God was just, it's just amazing, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that I felt there with me. You know what I'm talking about? Sweet, sweet fellowship. It's really hard for me to explain what I'm saying. If you've never experienced I don't know how to, how to really tell you. It was just amazing. I just knew God was in that moment with me. It hurts very bad when you've experienced that to get numb to that. And when you start feeling yourself get numb to the things of God, to the fellowship with, uh, uh, with God that you once enjoyed, then it's time to get on your face and beg God to fill you up. Amen? Don't, don't just get by in your own power. Because that's what I'm so afraid churches have done for years. We've learned to do church, do ministry, do life, without the power of God. And that is a very, very dangerous thing. Folks, I don't want to preach in my power. That ain't going to help you. That ain't going to help me. That ain't going to help nobody. I don't know ultimately what you need. I don't. He does. And he has promised to use me by his power if I'll just allow him to. If I relinquish my will to his, he'll do the work. Dr. Adrian Rogers said something one time that I love. He said, there has never been one person, there's, or excuse me, there's only been one person who's ever lived the Christian life. He's right. The only person who ever lived the Christian life is Jesus. And if you're going to live the Christian life, guess what's going to happen? He's going to have to do it through you. As he fills you up and pours you out daily. And I'm not just talking about church stuff. As a believer, we don't separate spiritual from secular. You can't do that. Yeah, I'm a preacher on Wednesday, but I'm a 
I'm a father on Thursday. Still the same man. Right? We don't, we don't do one thing at church and something else at home. No. We're who we are. And we must live from that, who we are. And so tomorrow, I want to make decisions as a father, as a father that's filled with God the Holy Spirit. And I want to make decisions as a husband, you know, and, and being the spiritual head of my household. I want to make decisions as a husband being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I go to my workplace tomorrow, I want to make decisions as an employee around the people I work with as a man that's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then guess what happens? Everywhere I am, I'm actually being the feet of Jesus, the hands and feet of Jesus in whatever situation I find myself. Are you getting what I'm saying? Then, guess what's happening? Just like we said, Jesus is identifying himself to a lost and world, dying world through his body. Through his body. Dr. Johnny Mays always said it like this. I love how he puts things. He said, it's my body, but it's his life. At conversion, we are put in the body of Christ. We are baptized into the body by the Spirit. Listen to me. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit, our body becomes the Lord's. My body, his life. That's what we strive for daily. That's all we're doing tonight.